0: The Word of God is the context in which we should discern His voice. The Word of God gives us the context in which we discern the voice of God. Even God Himself is held accountable to the Word.
1: Ever hear someone say that God spoke to them directly regarding a certain problem or issue? How about a preacher on TV who says, God just told me that everyone watching right now needs to do thus and so. Well, How can we be sure God has really spoken to someone, to us? Let's examine that today. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lorenz. If you've just discovered us, some background for you. Crawford has served in Christian leadership for over 50 years, working with a number of Christian ministries. He served for over 15 years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia, and these weekly Living a Legacy messages come from his time at Fellowship. Now in retirement, Crawford heads the leadership training ministry Beyond Our Generation. He's authored a number of books, including Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, and a book he co-authored with his wife Karen called Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. Well, it's a question we've no doubt wrestled with from time to time. How can we hear from God? Crawford will provide four key thoughts to consider from Scripture. Let's join him now on Living a Legacy.
0: God is speaking far more often than we are listening. I want us to really, really, really pay attention. Um, I'm going to walk through this whole presentation. It's around four questions that I want to answer. The first two questions are going to be mired in some, a bit of theology, which I think is very important. But The last two questions are, are practical, the application side of that. And uh, unapologetically, I'm going to give some lists there. I'm going to be a little bit more listy than I, I, normally, I normally am. But it's extraordinarily important that we do not miss the voice of God. In a very real sense, we live to hear God's, God's voice. Uh, have you ever been misquoted? <laughs> I got to tell you, it's almost, and I've written a few books, and it's almost hilarious. I, and you ought to read the stuff that people said that I said, and I'm going, I didn't say that. And it's not that they're lying. It's not that they lie. They, they actually heard that, but they didn't, you know, they, it's amazing, the filters that we have. And I don't get too hard on them because my wife reminds me that I don't hear everything that she said. <laughs> I got to confess, some of that is selective listening, but at any rate, you know, I've misquoted people, not intentionally. Uh, I've done that. You know, I've been distracted by something, and I I thought that was what they said, you know, and so I've I've misunderstood or I've misquoted them, and I think we all do, but God gets misunderstood and misquoted an awful lot. We misunderstand him, and we misquote him, and we make assumptions about him. It sort of reminds me of that old story of the, this farmer who really, heard, he heard this message about God's will and, and that, that it was important to know what God wanted him to do, wanted you to do in life, and so he began praying fervently about God, please show me what you want me to do with my life, what is it that you want me to do? I, I'm on this farm, but I don't want to assume that this is where you want me forever. And he started praying intensely, about, God, what is it you want me to do? One day he was on a tractor working in the field there. It was hot, and he was praying, and he decided to stop, and as he was praying, he he fell asleep. And he was dreaming about what it is God wanted him to do, and he opened his eyes, and he saw this cloud formation. It was a P-C. P-C. He said, I got it! Preach Christ! Amazing! So he hustled and picked up the phone and called the pastor of the little country church that he went to there. And he said, look, pastor, I've been praying all these months about what God wants me to do. And told the story, fall asleep and, you know, waking up and seeing a cloud formation. And he says, God wants me to preach Christ. Pastor got excited. He said, okay, maybe three weeks down the road on a Wednesday evening, I want you to come and, and, and preach your first message. He said, got it. So he gets his little text together and gets little commentaries and does his study, man. He puts it all together. He shows up to the church, and the little church is packed because they all know him. And he stands up, and he starts preaching his heart out. But it was awful. (laughs) I mean, it was beyond terrible. In fact, it was so bad, people got up and started walking out. But he hung in there and continued to preach. And By the way, parentheses, I tell young preachers all the time, look, 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 ain't none of us about a 1,000 all the time. If you preach a bad message, don't try to preach it into a good one. Just say amen and live to preach another day. That's another. <laughs> you know, land a plane, go on. There's another Sunday. But at any rate, so, but this guy, he is like persevering. The people were going. They couldn't stand it. Even the preacher left. So... Probably this one old dude there at the church, he came up to him and, you know, this dude's crestfallen and just, he's, he looked at him and the old guy said, um, it's pretty bad, huh? Yeah, 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 pretty bad. Now, tell me this story again about what you saw. He said, well, you know, I was on track and he told me this story, I'm falling asleep, waking up, seeing cloud formation. And he said, now, what did the clouds say? P.C. He said, no, that wasn't preach Christ. What was it? Plant corn. Sometimes we can miss what God has in store for us. You know, we laugh at that kind of thing, but, you know, I've seen people make terrible assumptions about God. They read too much into circumstances or into what they wanted to hear, or they confuse their desires and ideas with the voice of God. And because they wanted to do something, they assume that that's what God wanted them to do. We miss it all the time. We're all guilty. of that. I'm guilty of that. I've had to learn the hard way that, you know, there, I, I, there, there's not, I love good ideas, and I've had to learn the hard way the difference between a good idea and God's will. They're not always the same thing. And just because it's a good thing, it's a good idea, may not be what, that's what God wants you to do. So how can we hear God's voice? Well, I wanna give you four important questions that we need to answer in order for us to experience that reality. The first question is the fundamental question, is where it starts. And forgive me, it's, it's, it's almost uh, a rhetorical question, but I think it needs to be raised. And the question is, does God speak to us? Well, the answer is absolutely. Absolutely He speaks to us. God speaks to us through these four primary avenues. There's variation of these four things, and they could be serve as banners, But he speaks to us through these four primary avenues. Number one, he speaks through his word to us. Obviously, that's our priority. I'm going to come back to that in in the beginning, but that's the place to start. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through circumstances that he orchestrates in our lives. He speaks to us through people that he deposits in our lives. And he speaks to us, and I'm going to use a word that was popular in the 60s and the 70s, but I want to resurrect it. He speaks to us existentially. What do you mean by that? He speaks to us by impressions that he gives to us, things on our hearts and minds, uh, driving desires. Uh, in our minds, he, he'll speak about, it may not be an audible voice, but this is what I want you to do. So he speaks in those four primary avenues. Now, here's what. I, this is the anchor statement. I want you to hear me in this. The Word of God is the context in which we should discern His voice. There's a lot of weird, freaky stuff that people get into. All of these things that I mentioned to you, circumstances, other people, uh, impressions that I have, here it is, here it is, here it is. The Word of God gives us the context in which we discern The voice of God. Even God himself is held accountable to the Word. That is a huge point. And we'll see this in a few moments because we we get off into these ancillary sidebar things and assume that our impressions are the same thing as what's written in God's Word. No, it's the Word of God that gives us discernment to hear the voice of God, even existentially. Now, um, Psalm 19, verses 7 through 8, talks about the primacy of God's word. I I really believe, one scholar pointed out, and I agree with this, that Psalm 19 might be a summation of... Psalm 119, listen to what David says about the glories of God's Word. He says in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. He's just extolling the power and primacy of the written word, rules, law, testimony, referring to God's written revelation to us, and how we should embrace it and treasure it and look for it and taste it and revel in it and celebrate it, God's written word. It is his voice to us. Now, God's voice extends, hear me, hear me, this sounds like a crazy uh, statement I'm going to make, it is confined to but extends beyond the written word. What do you mean by that? Well, there's certain things that God doesn't speak to in his word as to like where you should live, what college you should go to, who you should marry, their names are not in the text, Uh, you know, the, the, the careers that you should have, how all of this works out, but we know we ought to seek him in all things. And so we need to learn how to listen to his voice in those existential matters as well. You follow what I'm saying? Learn how to listen to his voice. And his voice is powerful and precious. In fact, I love Psalm 29. David is extolling the voice of the Lord and describing it. Some texts of scriptures, especially the Psalms, are not meant to be surgically analyzed, but to be felt and experienced. And this is one of these great passages. In verse 3 of Psalm 29, he says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. In other words, when God speaks, everything shudders. It's his voice. And in context, he's talking about his voice extra biblically in a sense of creation and and what he is doing. And that voice can be heard today. God does speak. So the answer to the first question is a bit rhetorical. Does God speak today? Absolutely, he speaks. He speaks through his word. And by the way, the word of God, as I said, is the context in which we should discern his voice. Even God himself holds himself accountable to what he has said. I don't want us to miss this. God himself holds himself accountable to what he has said. Now, the second question is then, are my impressions from the Lord the same as his written word? Are they the same? I I, I sense This is an impression that I got. God has told me to do this. God said this to me. Uh, I, I, I can write probably several books over these many years that I've been in ministry of people who come up to me and said something like this. Crawford, the Lord has given me a word for you. God told me to tell you something that's just for you. How do you deal with that? Should I obey that? Am I held accountable to obey that? It's not written in a book. But they said, I've had people speak words of knowledge over me and voices of prophecy over me. I always wonder why they get this, like, celestial tone in their voice. Scares the dickens out of me. God said, oh, chill, man, just talk to me, you and me, okay? I don't want to go there. So, you know, what, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? What do you do if somebody comes up to you and tells you God told you to do it? Did, did God tell them to do that? Maybe. What do you do with that? Yes, I've had impressions. I felt like the Lord wanted me to say things to other people. And I'm sure God has spoken to other people and given them messages for me. He has. It's proven to be so. So I'm not putting that down. But let me, let me, let me warn you about something. Those of you who sense God speaks to you a great deal existentially by the Spirit, I want to warn us about something, okay? Apart from God's Word, hear me on this, apart from God's Word, we cannot say with absolute certainty that we've heard from God. So if you sense God is leading you to say something to somebody or you got a word from somebody, you need to couch that in humility. You need to use words like, I sense the Lord may want me to say this to you. I think God may want you to consider what I'm saying. But the truth of the matter is, no human being, no matter how close they are with God, can say with 100% certainty, unless it's written in this book, that what they're saying is completely from God. You say, well, Crawford, why do you say that? I say that for an obvious reason. Think about it. We're fallible. We're fallible. I do not believe in a perfectionist sanctification. We're fallible. There's only one person. There's only, the the Godhead is infallible. We are fallible on our best days. And it requires great humility. And please do not, do not lightly use the expression the Lord said to me. Don't lightly use that. It's a tremendous responsibility. But when you know that he has spoken to you concerning an issue or a matter, it must be delivered with humility. And never, never equate the message with the messenger. Put that on the same level. So apart from God's word, we cannot know with absolute certainty that God has spoken to us. Uh, hanging it with me because i need to give a theological framework listen to me the word of god is complete it's complete god does not give us additional messages to 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 complete something that was incomplete no this book is complete it is is complete every every last word Uh, the holy spirit has spoken through the scriptures has spoken and continues to speak, but will not add anything else to what has been spoken. That's for Second Peter chapter 1, 20 through 21, when, when Peter describes, hey, 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 these prophets and prophecies that are in this book, it wasn't just great ideas, it wasn't just without framework. The Spirit of God bore these people along. It wasn't of any private interpretation, that's what the text says. It was of the Spirit of God. Furthermore, God's Word is permanent, it's final. There's not another book of the Bible that's being written. It's complete, it is is final. And I want to say this to you, please listen to me on this one, okay? Uh, I've heard this even around our church, don't get sloppy with using the word, God revealed this to me. Uh, You got to be careful when using that expression. 75 to 80% of the time, when somebody says to me, Well, I got a revelation, what they really mean is, No, they don't have a revelation, they have an illumination. What do you mean by that? God has made clear something to you from the scriptures. That's illumination. But God has not revealed any additional truth to anybody here. None of us. He's not revealed any additional, there's not a 67th book of the Bible. The revelation of God in terms of objective truth in human history is final and complete. There's nothing else that's gonna be added to that. Now, I do get it, and I've used the expression. If you use the expression, well, God revealed this to me about what I should do next, or God gave me a revelation about my life in in terms of his will, I I think that's fine. But you gotta be careful of using that expression in terms of additional truth. There's no additional truth that's being revealed to any of us the word of God is permanent it is complete that's what Jesus said in Matthew 24 verse 35 he says heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away uh, David said it more uh, searingly and strongly in Psalm 119 verse 89 when he says listen forever O Lord your word is firmly fixed in the heavens so this is complete it's final you don't want off it God's not going to tell you something that he hasn't already said. God speaks, as I said, within the confines of Scripture. And you say, well, that sounds so negative. It sounds so very restrictive. No, 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 no. You know, when I say confines, that's where the freedom is. It's like the banks of the river. God God speaks within the confines of Scripture. If what we sense is from the Lord, it is subject to the word of God and confirmed by God's word. That's what I mean, speaking within the confines of Scripture. Does he speak existentially? Yes. You're going to see this in a few moments, and I'll say something about this. He does, and he's spoken to me, and he speaks to all of us and in, in, in existential ways about where we should live, what we should do, how we, you know, what, what schools we should send our kids, and um, um, all, all these decisions about God does speak, and he's concerned about all of that. But truthfully, he speaks within the banks of revealed truth. What are you saying? Well, I'm saying that the Word of God is sufficient. That's what not that what Paul told Timothy over in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In other words, this book, this right here, it's sufficient. You You don't need an added insight. You don't need something extra. God didn't forget anything. In fact... Scripture is clear enough to make us responsible for carrying out our present responsibilities to God. You don't need to hear another voice. You don't have to have some wild experience. It is sufficient. You know, people say, I just want to hear God's voice. I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear God's voice. Say, give your friend your Bible and tell him to read it out loud. You just heard God's voice. (laughs) I I don't mean that altogether humorously. This is God's voice. You're looking for vocal cords. That's what you're looking for. But he has spoken. And it is sufficient for us. Now, having said all of that, I wanted to frame that. Well, God does speak to us existentially. He does. Absolutely he does. In fact, Romans chapter 8 verse 14, that's the whole role of the Spirit of God, by the way to guide us in life, that we're to be led by the Spirit, led in terms of the choices that we make, led in terms of the decisions that we make, led in terms of should I, should I stay on staff with crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, or be a senior pastor? That wasn't just mine to make, I had to be led. Sure, He leads us, the Spirit of God leads us. Another example that uh, the Bible is replete with examples of that. Uh, Acts 8 26, and uh, 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 Philip, the Lord led Philip to go to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. He just felt like compelled to do that. Thank God that he did because he ran into the Ethiopian eunuch and led him to Jesus, and that's where the gospel was spread through Africa. He was existentially led by God. What about Acts chapter 13? Another illustration of the leaders there in Acts 13, they're praying together at the church at Antioch. And I don't know that they were thinking about this, but while they were fasting and praying together, God said to them, hey, look, I want you to appoint Barnabas and Paul to be missionaries. And they commissioned them. They were led of the Spirit. There wasn't any Bible verse that said, "Over and second, I hope so." Chapter three, you're gonna do this on this date and appoint Barnabas. Not they. God does that today.
1: God speaks through His Word, and He can also speak through existential matters. More about that in the second half of Crawford's message, "How to Hear from God." Join us again right here next week. If you weren't able to be with us for all of today's message, you can check it out on our website. Look for the Past Programs link at livingalegacy.org. If this is a message you'd like to add to your personal listening library, download How to Hear from God to your phone, computer, or tablet for free. Look for the MP3 link on the webpage. Well, we mention this each week because it's a very important role you can play in this broadcast ministry. We simply need to know if these messages are helpful in your walk with Christ. Do you listen online or on radio? What station brings you living a legacy? Just a couple of sentences would be helpful to us. Email legacy at moody.edu. Thanks for helping to keep this a two-way interaction. Legacy at moody.edu. It was great having you part of our study today. For Crawford Loretz, I'm Bill Davis. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.